Welcome back to Conservative Conversations. I'm your host, Reed. And as always, I'm Frank. Today we're going to be talking about the recent Republican primary debates, and we're also going to be talking about the big immigration issue. So let's get into it. Before we get started, listeners, I want to remind you to please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many more. You can also subscribe to our channel on YouTube. And if you'd like to support us directly, you can leave us a donation through our podcast partner, host, Red Circle. Links for all this below in the show notes in the description. And to start it off, we're going to be talking about the Republican primary debates that took place recently. Uh, I watched them sort of two times. Uh, the first time that I watched it sort of fully was uh, Stephen Crowder's live stream. So it's only halfway because it's you know him playing it in the background of his show and commentating on it. Uh, but then... I watched the actual full debates on um, uh, the Fox Nation streaming service. Um, So I got to see the full thing there. Well, did you think that there was a clear winner? Um, I've heard some people say that there was. Do you think so? um, A clear winner? I don't know. I don't really think there is a clear winner. There's definitely... I think it depends on who you already liked, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's been my experience in asking people that question. Right. Uh, I mean, I think it makes sense. That's usually how it would go. I mean, sure, I, some people might change opinions about some people afterwards, but I feel like generally speaking, you're going to think the person you already liked was the clear winner. Um. But I was just going to kind of run down through the list and give a little comment on each one. Uh, some will be quicker than others. Some may be more uh, in-depth than others. Uh, but to start with, one of the easy ones is Asa, Asa Hutchison. Uh, he actually got the least amount of speaking time. Uh, and and uh, that's okay. I don't really care for him. <laughs> uh I don't think he's uh, all that conservative on some of the more uh, important, like, social and cultural issues. I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure he, while he was still governor of Arkansas, vetoed a bill that banned uh, the uh, medical procedures for uh, transgender medical procedures for minors. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so I'm not sure why any, I mean, I guess maybe there's some nuances to the bill that I'm not aware of, but, uh, usually that's a a type of bill a conservative governor would try to vote for or sign. Um, right. Yeah. That would make sense. Right. And, uh, uh, but, uh, I don't feel like he really had anything that stood out that he did talk about. Um, you know, he's pretty anti-Trump. I think he is one of the... Yeah, uh, but that's interesting because he got elected like at the same time as Trump, didn't he? Or something? Um, I don't think so because he... directly after. I can't it was the two years after because he just came out of his governorship. Okay, yeah. Um, at the beginning of the year when... Sarah Huckabee Sanders took over. I've heard that from people, too, that it's interesting that Asa, you know, um, was so anti-Trump. Right. Even though they were both Republican and there were all those issues going on, they could have been more, you know, birds of a feather, but... Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah, and in general, I don't think he'll make it too far... uh, in the primary, I definitely don't think he'll get the nomination. Um, just like the next person who I do like, I still don't believe he'll actually get the nomination, but I'm rooting for him. It's Doug Burgum. I don't know why people are making fun of him so much. They say he looks like a vampire. Have you seen him? 
I'm not sure. I'd probably have to refresh my memory and look. Um, yeah. You know, we've been so busy. I'm sure I probably have seen him, but right. that doesn't just come to my mind right away. I don't see a face to that name. Right. But I think he did an okay job with the limited amount of time he had to speak. Between him and Asa Hutchinson, they only had like 15 minutes of speaking time, and Doug Burgum had slightly more of that 15 minutes. Um, uh, I think he did pretty good um, talking about like the China issue and uh, the climate change uh, thing. Because one of the things he pointed out was, you know, the people who are making all these the batteries for right all of our these EVs electric and, vehicles and uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a lot of them are made in China. So oh, yeah. we're just gonna swap, like he said, OPEC for I think he said pronounced it Sidopec, which I don't know exactly what that is, but I assume it has to do with the battery, you know, manufacturing sector. That makes these types of batteries. So we'll just trade one... Uh, sort of independence. Yeah. One, or dependence, excuse me. Yeah, dependent on one not-so-good group of people, OPEC, yeah. for another. Um, and uh, I think another good uh, lo- uh, point that he made was um, uh, for the... Um, uh, abortion issue. He pointed out that uh, he he as president would leave it to the states since that's you know how it's been settled for now. Well, and that's how it was pre um, Roe anyway. Roe, yeah, pre- exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so I think he did pretty good for you know what little time he had and how not well known he is. Um, he appeared a couple days after the. Uh, debates on the Fox News Rundown podcast. Um, and he pointed out something that I didn't really realize I, that I didn't really realize at the time of the debate. But uh, he was talking about some of the questions the moderators asked. And he pointed out that one of them was a silly question, which was, um, I believe Martha asked if and it was one of the raise your hand questions, if they would support Donald Trump if he was the nominee. Well, Doug Burgum on the Fox News Rundown pointed out that they already had to sign the pledge to be on the stage that they would support the Republican nominee no matter who it is. Right. So it was a silly question, and it seemed, and this is me editorializing, and it seemed like they only asked it to ask about Trump bring up Trump's name. Yeah. Because otherwise, they, every, they, everybody knew the question if they would support Well, you know, I know that this isn't really an angle that has anything to do with what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but it is interesting that it's almost like Trump's still present, isn't it? It's yeah. like he's the elephant in the room. Right. Yeah, I think that was not the only question about him. I forget what the other one was. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, I thought Doug... Burgum did pretty good. Like I said, I don't think he'll actually get the nomination, but I'm, he's like my, uh, what you call it, the underdog, my underdog yeah, pick. Right. I'm, I'm pulling for him. Um, and I apologize for my squeaky chair, listeners, if you hear it. We'll have to get some WD-40 yeah. for that or something. Um, let's see, next was uh, Tim Scott. Uh, I think he did okay. He didn't really stand out to me all that much. Um, like, I don't really feel like he had any memorable lines. Um, and I I don't think he'll make it too far because he, he just doesn't quite... I think that's a shame. because It I is. Think- I think so. He seems like he'd be really great, but I just don't think, you know, as for the general public, he's... he's really got it going for him i think he's got one of those things kind of just i mean not just like and i don't mean to compare them in any kind of other way but there was another guy who's the brain surgeon oh um ben carson yeah he Uh kind of reminds me of like a ben carson because he's just kind of timid and Mm -hmm. soft-spoken and smart and he's very articulate and Mm -hmm. very thoughtful right 
it's just not on the same level as like the the general public mm-hmm. and like what they're looking for. Right. You know, I hate to say it, but they almost do. Trump was really quite a brand because right, yeah. it had these catchy slogans. It mm-hmm. was short and simple. People would just eat it up. Right. And the, loud and boisterous. Right. Uh-huh. And the more somber, thoughtful thing, it doesn't really seem to sell. Right. Yeah. And like you said, it's a shame for Tim Scott. It is a shame. He's, he is one, at least from all accounts and as it seems, one of the pretty good ones that are in the party. Oh, yeah. And, um, it definitely wouldn't be too bad. It wouldn't be bad to see him be the president, but it's it just doesn't quite seem like he's got to go for him right now. Um, which we'll move to the next one, and uh, the best line I heard about this next guy all night came from Tammy Bruce. Uh, you, I uh, love her. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Mm-hmm. On the Fox Nation stream, um, like during the times where there would have been commercials, they went to like a little uh, four-person panel. It had Tammy Bruce, um, uh, Will Will Kane, um, Sean Duffy, and what's his what's his name? Hold on, oh I can't. Pete Hegseth. Oh okay, yeah. Um, and at the end of the debate. Uh, Tammy Bruce was kind of doing a similar rundown, just going through all the candidates, giving her two cents real quick. And she called Mike Pence a $3 bill. And I thought that was great. I, uh, that pretty much summed it up for me. Yep. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. He's just like odd, the odd one out. Oh. So strange or something. I don't, I don't really know exactly what it means, but it made sense to me and I like it. Right. Um, but, well, that does make sense in a way. We don't have a $3 bill. So right. what's he doing up there? <laughs> I <laughs> right. get it. I mean, I right. I dig it. Right. And I don't have anything against Mike Pence too much. A lot of people seem to, especially after January 6th. Um, but, yeah, he's just, uh, I don't think his, it's his time. I'm not sure why he's running. I don't know who he thinks is he's going to vote for, Vote who he thinks is going to vote for him. Goodness. Um, but I will say, because uh, he, he brought it up himself, uh, sort of, that, um, I, in my opinion, I think he did the correct thing on January 6th, his duty as vice president to confirm the votes that were already confirmed. I think that's way too interesting to not make it a whole separate conversation. To not make it a whole? Mm-hmm. Because my biggest point is they ch- they changed the law. Uh huh. Why why would What's they do all? that? The congressional whatever it is. The see, I'm not prepared for it. The like the congressional voting act or whatever it is. They uh-huh. changed that because of the issues of January 6th and the question of his role. They actually went back and they call it clarified the law, uh-huh. but they changed the law as it was. Trump just talked about that. You know, in the interview that he did instead of this debate, uh-huh. he talks about it with Tucker. And he uh-huh. went back. He even went back, and whether it was his lawyer or Mike Pence's lawyer, and he asked him. He said, so he could have done it. And they go, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that doesn't change my opinion. I'm just saying <laughs> I think that's the biggest tell and why it's an interesting conversation. I mean, what whether Mike Pence, I don't know. I think it's a bigger conversation, but they did change the law. Why would that be? Uh, I don't know, but he did the correct thing at the time, I believe. Um, hmm. But other than that, uh, I don't think he had too many memorable moments other than kind of going back and forth with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I guess could be our next person in line uh, to talk about. He's, He's the seen. one I heard was the clear winner from oh, some really? sources. Yes. Oh, he was definitely the most controversial <laughs> <laughs> and the most, uh, like, you know, uh, electrifying or whatever. You know, one to talk about. That's what I would say. He is. He was the one to talk about after the debates. But I don't necessarily know if that makes him a clear winner. Um, I just said according to some sources. Right. 
I didn't even watch the full debate, so no. I'm not offering my opinions here. Um, but uh, I guess he did okay, if, in in my opinion, I suppose. Uh, he, um, I don't know. I guess he doesn't have too many standout lines to me either. Uh, uh, other than uh, which was a good one. It doesn't really have to do too much with um, like policies or too much. But it was when Chris Christie called him out about the using Obama's line. Uh, who's this skinny guy with a funny name? What's he doing on stage? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Vivek came back at uh, uh, Chris Christie uh, after pointing out that was the same line Obama used. He said, why don't you come over here and give me a hug? <laughs> and you help me get elected. Oh man! Yeah, so that was that was a pretty good comeback. Um, hey, but you know that was quite a storm, though. In, in Christie's defense, that uh-huh. was quite a storm. It was. <laughs> it was a big one. It was as big as him. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I guess, yeah. Well, uh, Chris Christie, I suppose, could be our next one. He, I think, performed as expected. Uh, he was kind of anti-Trump and trying to set himself to be. Above the fray of Trump, Trumpism or whatever. That's what I heard too from a a very good source uh, that he was just a hatchet guy for Trump. Just he's yep. anti-Trump. Yeah, um, but I I don't think he did too terribly. Definitely still not gonna vote for him. Well, uh, the thing that you have to remember about Chris Christie mm-hmm. is he's a heck of a guy right. and a hell of a politician. That is true. He's yes. uh, definitely when he was, good at politicking. When he was governor of New York, he had to fight the teachers' unions. And there's footage of it on YouTube. And I dare anybody to go back and watch it. There's hours of it, and it's entertaining. It's good stuff. He goes around, and he tells those teachers' unions the truth. He stands there, big guy, in these town halls all around New Jersey, sweating in these auditoriums and stuff still in a shirt and tie you know uh-huh. and he's just laying into these teachers unions and telling them the truth right we can't afford this you know right and mm-hmm. that is some good i mean that's that's a real republican at work is having to explain stuff like that to unions you know uh-huh. just to say that <laughs> so i know he's a good Republican, he's a good conservative guy, but this whole mm. you know Trump really brings out some weird things in people. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't see. I I think Christie will stick around in the campaign for a little while, but uh, I definitely don't s- no. see him making a nomination. Either. No way. This is probably just like most of them to sell books and get bigger contracts to stay on TV, you know, as consultants and whatever and whatever. Right. Yep. And then next, uh, we'll do Nikki Haley. Uh, now, from what I had heard, she was supposedly the clear winner, uh, which I think she did okay. Uh, one of the biggest um, points that she made that seemed to stand out with a lot of people was. Uh, uh, she said that, at least as it stands, there's there's not even 60 votes in the Senate and you know, a majority vote in the House to uh, make any kind of federal abortion laws, whatever they are, uh, which which is accurate. Uh, uh, it should be left to the states anyway, as we are already pointed out. Um but she tried to uh, take a much more moderate uh, consensus stance. Um, and you think that's a good thing? Uh, I mean, in terms of abortion, I mean. Well, I mean, no, not no. I mean, I understand what you're saying. In I terms of politics, um, sure, I, I don't necessarily disagree. But uh, just and for. The abortion issue in general, um, uh, I think, should be left to the states. Uh, but if there is going to be uh, some kind of federal law, uh, should definitely go have to get, you know, 
get both houses to pass it. Uh, so, I don't, I'm not sure uh, how likely that is to even, even happen. Yeah. I mean, I understand, and that's worth acknowledging, but, mm-hmm. you know, a good president can change things. Right, which that's- is another thing I've, I've heard people point out about her saying that is, you know, a, a good leadership could get consensus eventually on it and get, hopefully get corral the votes to pass something. Right. So, but yeah, she, like I said, uh, from what I've heard, she seemed to be the winner, at least the winner for, uh, more moderates in the general population. Uh, Vivek seems to be the winner for the more Trump, uh, parts of the party. But that has its issues too. Right. Uh Because he's not Trump. Exactly. And it's like, he's just imitating Trump in a, in a way. Right. And some people think he's trying to get Trump's VP spot. But um, somebody that Steven Crowder had on his show after the debate pointed out something I thought made a whole lot of, whole lot of sense to me is Trump and Vivek are both alphas, alpha-type personalities. And so having... An alpha in, in the presidency and an alpha in the vice presidency, at least in this fellow's opinion, at least, and I, like I said, I think it makes sense, doesn't really work that well. Mike, I don't see how. I think it'd be... Like Mike Pence be, isn't an alpha. I know, but I think it'd be an interesting dynamic because most of the vice presidents I've seen, I mean, you can go back, look at guys like Dan Quayle. He's one. He's like famous for being a... Like, you know, can't even spell simple words with kindergartners properly. Uh You know, he went and did a spelling bee (laughs) with some students as a PR stunt and can't even spell words. (laughs) Uh, So I think it'd be an interesting at least just switch up to see what if he did have to a powerhouse president and a powerhouse vice president. That'd be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? I think it would be interesting, too, but... Um, you know, just I, I don't quite see it happening. What I do see happening and has also been floated around is Vivek is getting out there to try to run for possibly a Senate seat in Ohio. Because I don't know if you knew this already. He's, He's from Ohio. Yeah. yeah uh huh. I did. And Sherrod Brown's gonna be coming up out of his seat soon. At least, you know, up for re-election. Uh, wow. I think Lord. in two years. I will be excited on that day. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I mean, I could definitely be wrong about Vivek being a VP, but I, I don't quite see it. Well, and um, I've just heard a lot of other people say too, you know, cause I didn't watch the debates. Right. I mean, I'm vaguely aware I've seen some clips and stuff like that, but I didn't sit and watch, you know, with popcorn and a beating heart and all that, uh-huh. <laughs> or I should say a racing heart, but I've heard other people also say, you know, he has no track record. How can I trust you? I don't right, know. Yeah. You've never been in politics. I don't know. Right. He's... And when I heard that opinion from somebody else, you know, that I have conversations with just mm-hmm. like you and I do, I, I asked him, I'm like, well, you know, Trump was kind of an outsider. There's an idea to the outsider uh-huh, concept. Right. So how is that really a bad thing? Right. So I don't know. I, I'm. We're, we also obviously have a long way to go. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to do some more digging on these candidates, especially me. I didn't watch the first round of debates. I, I'll probably need to go back and watch that and everything. But well, if memory's not okay. failing me, there's still other people we haven't talked about. Uh, right? I think only one. DeSantis. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I mean, he's still probably my main pick. And I think he did okay. Uh, I don't think he really had a standout moment or you know made a whole lot of ground uh but i don't think he did terribly i think he did all right i think he did just fine um uh like i said i don't think he like nothing particular uh about what he said stands out to me is i mean essentially stuff i've heard him say before so nothing surprising to me i mean hopefully you know People watching debates, it's what he says was new to them, and maybe they haven't seen 
much of him before. Um, but I think he did okay. Um, excited to see some of these candidates at the next debate, which is hosted by Fox Business on September 20-something, 8th, Do you maybe. know who the, um, what do you call them? Like the, the moderators are going to be? Yeah. Uh, not for that debate. No, I don't recall. I'm not sure I've heard. Uh, maybe, if I had to guess, maybe one of them might be um, Maria Bartiromo. She's a good one. Yeah, she's still in the Fox she's business spicy. channel. Ooh, caliente Maria. I like uh, her. <laughs> she's. I really like her a lot. Um, I hope old Neil Cavuto's not up there. He probably will be, though. You think? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, but no, I don't think I've heard who's supposed to be monitoring that debate. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Because Fox Business is almost like its own animal. Yeah, sometimes it seems that way. Um, uh, but uh, for the moderators of the other debate, Britt Bear, Martha McCallum, I think they did an all right job. Uh, I think Brett's usually good. Yeah, Brett's, Brett's pretty good. Um, I feel like their job as moderators would be a whole lot easier if they didn't do these debates with all these large crowds. I actually would prefer no crowd. Um, but that, that's just me. Because Brett even had to like try to quell the crowd down some so they can continue. I think there's a whole thing to that, though. I think it goes all the way back to the Greek drama. Because, you know, the chorus would play a part. Uh-huh. And it's almost like... You know, the politicians like it because the interruptions, you know, or they, you know, they'll say something and the crowd will go crazy. Uh And it's like the camera stays on them for a minute and stays on the crowd and stays on the clapping. And, you know, there is a whole drama to the crowd. It adds to the to the story. I'm sure it does in some way. but I prefer no crowd. But that's just me, and I know it's not just me. I'm sure there's other people who would agree. Uh, but, oh well. Uh, I believe for the next debate, I don't think they've... I'm still quite a couple of weeks away. I'm not sure if they have a list of who's made it so far. I'm sure at least the main uh, three or four probably are still going to be there from the last debate, like Ron DeSantis, Dickie Haley, Vivek, and... Maybe Mike Pence, I think that was the order of most votes or most highest polling to the lowest. Um, so I imagine at least those four will be there. Uh, I know from the Fox News rundown that Doug Bergen was on after the debate, he said he's already qualified for the donation requirements for the next debate, but not the polling one, which makes me ask... How do I get into that polling? Nobody's polling me. <laughs> and who 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 are they polling anyway? I kind of think these polling requirements are kind of silly. Well, th- see, I don't know. We'll have to go back through <laughs> through the archive and see if we've ever asked this question before. But I feel like I've said something very similar myself. How come I'm not in these polls? How do you right. get these polls? Yeah. Who? Who are the people in these polls? Right. <laughs> and I was... I'll put about the polls. I'll put one last point on it so we can move on to our next topic because it's been going on for a bit. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure there is some information you can take away from the polls, but to just completely rely on them, I think we've been shown over and over again is stupid. Remember last well, year yeah. around this time, the red tsunami, the red tsunami. What did we get? Right. The well, red I can remember all the way back. I mean, you probably don't believe this, but I had very, you know, very uh, political. I had a very political upbringing in a way. My, the people who raised me were very interested. And I can remember back to the Bush-Kerry debates. Mm-hmm. And it, the polls would change almost daily, even right. back then, yeah. before the internet was what it is now. Sure. Before anything was what it is now. The polls would change almost weekly. So what what do the polls matter? I don't understand. I almost think it's like fake news. Right. Yeah. 
And, I mean, I understand that they need some kind of requirements to, you know, weed out how many people are going to be on the debate stage, but some of these, like the polling requirements, like I said, I think are kind of silly, because who's, who's asking the polls? I'm not in these polls. Well, I'd like right. to get my polling vote for Doug Burgum so he can be on the next debate stage. Right. Well, and one of the things that I want to point out, too, is, I mean, you you have a degree in psychology. I'm pretty sure you've made that aware to our listeners and stuff before. Uh-huh. And you have to wonder sometimes with sampling, I mean, if you take a body and you sample them mm-hmm. and then you pull them back, let's say a year later, and you sample them again and you pull them back a year later and you sample them again, or let's say it's a month later or six weeks later, and you just pull the same body over and over and over. What's the likelihood that when the time actually comes around and it matters, that they're going out and voting? These people are probably so exhausted from taking the polls Mm -hmm. that the polling body represented in the data is drastically different from the polling data from the actual electorate body because— Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You're just trapping some rats and running experiments on them. And, of course, it's not going to be the same as... Right. <clears throat> well, yeah, uh, that's all I got on the debates. Um, I thought they were, they were an okay uh, first round. Um, not too, too many flashpoints in the pan or whatever you might want to say. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll see who makes it to the next one. They're going to start whittling them down. When I will just say, as what I find to be an interesting comment on this, is I've discussed this with a lot of people. Even though I didn't watch the debates, I don't know if other people watch the debates all the way through. Mm-hmm. I usually find not, you know, because you and I kind of do this sort right. of news analysis stuff. But... I've talked about the debates with a lot more people than I would have ever expected. Uh-huh. So it's almost like, you know, it's really making the waves and getting out there. People are aware of them. <clears throat> yep, that's good. Yep. All right, and uh, we'll move on to your first topic. What do we got? So I saw that AOC did an interview with the New York Times that's gotten a lot of people talking about it. Have you seen about this? Uh, I've heard briefly about it. Well, it has to do with immigration, and mm-hmm. she's talking about how it's Biden's weakest issue. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's the e- issue he has least control over or whatever. She has her own issues with Biden mm-hmm. right. because she and some of the other progressive lawmakers have sent strong, what she believes to be like strongly worded and, you know, highly recommended and particular, particularly phrased suggestions and, uh, you know, these types of things, recommendations mm-hmm. about immigration right. to the White House and Biden. Mm-hmm. And that Biden, and here's what's really kind of interesting to me is if you look at the language that she uses in this response, you know how sometimes she can just kind of run on with uh-huh. her sentences and right. stuff and not really make sense or anything. Well, we get a run on sentence here from her where she's just stringing a bunch of stuff together. And she says that she thinks Biden, you know, isn't taking their recommendations because they fear political repercussions, you know, like if they go to the uh-huh. hard left, they'll they'll take some hard repercussions from it or that they have some kind of fear of approving or providing permission to Republican narratives mm-hmm. or something like this. And like that doesn't even really make sense to me. Like how are the solutions that she and the other liberals are proposing how are those going to feed into republican narratives like i'd really like to understand what she's meaning there Uh um doesn't really make sense but i do know what she's talking about and there are some other headlines there are a lot of headlines associated with this um i don't think it's just because she had the interview because some of the other headlines read like you know uh, biden failed to meet with hokum 
Oh yeah, the and governor stuff like New York. This. Uh-huh. The oh, governor yeah, of New heard York. That too. But but he sent his top his top people, is what I've heard. So that means he's super serious. Yeah. But the reasons that these people are like seeking him and you know, they're they're asking for things mm-hmm. because, you know, they claim out that it's it's Republicans' fault. You know, I think the White House issued a statement uh-huh. or maybe they used cringe John Pierre to say it. I'm not sure, but you know, they've been out there saying that this is a Republican caused issue because uh-huh. cities like New York and Chicago and other such blue cities, uh, you know, ha- don't have the funds. They're seeking funds from the federal government basically right. to integrate thousands of uh-huh, asylum right. seekers that have been bust. Remember, yeah. remember that they're blaming it on the Republicans because of the busing, which was just a PR stunt. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the real numbers, of right. course. But they're blaming it on because all these people have been bussed here by red governors like Abbott and DeSantos and stuff like that. It's you know, it's a big problem. They they need federal money to, because like here's a great example. Uh-huh. The governor of Massachusetts, I don't have his name right here, but it'll be in the show notes and everything. He just activated about 250 National Guardsmen to assist. You saw that headline. Mm -hmm. To assist at the emergency shelter hotel things that they have set up for approximately 6,000 families or approximately 20,000 people total who are mostly asylum seekers. You know? And they're trying to blame this on the Republicans. Right. And I I mean, yeah, they'll... They'll sit there uh, begging and begging and begging for money to help deal with this problem, but they're not going to dare criticize Joe Biden directly and say he should close the border or actually solve the problem. They're just going to complain that it's a big problem and then point fingers elsewhere. Other than well, the I'm actual problem. I'm so glad that you said that and that you phrased it that way because you're exactly right. And did you know? Here's a fun little link that'll be in the show notes. But did you know that Biden and the federal government are auctioning off the border wall assets? Oh, yeah. Basically, I've heard this. You've heard this already? I think so. Well, I, I think it's so it. interesting. I mean, it's probably been going on for a while. I'm not shocked that you have. But, it, you know, in the meantime, while this whole conversation is going on about immigration, while it's been going on for a while, the Biden administration is actually auctioning off roughly $260 million worth of unused border wall materials. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this has gotten some of the people on the right riled up, too. And uh-huh. it's not just because they're being blamed for the problem, which is ridiculous. Right. But it's because, you know, there are people, Senator Joni Ernst, remember mm-hmm. her? Uh-huh. She, amongst others, but she she had a particular quote that I really liked where she said, I voted on this, you know? Right. I voted to fund the border wall, to appropriate these funds, to uh-huh. buy these materials, to make the wall. It was all a federal government act. It was, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? It was an act of the government. And now, just because the office holder has changed or whatever, you know, it's a different party in, in power. You know, she's kind of upset that these materials aren't being used and are just being sold off. Right. And she and others, of course, of course, others, they've even proposed legislation called the finish it act. And it outlines some pretty simple things. Now, the way it was put in the article that will be linked is that, it brings back or restores Trump-era security policies, which I wish we could get away from that language, even though it's probably true. It's probably absolutely true. But they should just say it restores common sense (laughs) immigration policies Uh and finish boarding the the wall, okay? And then it adds some really important language. It requires that the government use... The materials that were already purchased right. for said project. I mean, right. imagine that. Makes that. Sense. That's kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? Yeah. You'd think it would have been 
a dereliction of duty or a breaking of the law that they're selling these things off in the f- first place. Yeah. Not that you have to make a new law that says that they can't sell off the materials that were appropriated for a certain project. Right. Yeah, uh, that sounds crazy. It is crazy. It's just a sign of the times. I mean, it's bizarre. They're trying to make a law that says the government has to follow the law. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, the, the administration doesn't care about following laws that are passed anyway. They don't care about following laws that have been ruled on by the Supreme Court. They don't care about doing anything that's constitutional. They just do whatever they want. They still they they brought back that old pen and phone Obama had, just like they brought back some of his stooges from his administration. Uh huh. Well, they say he's the one really pulling. Uh huh. I'm starting to believe this more and more. But I mean, that's basically what I got. I don't know if they talked about it in the debates, but. It seems like there's such a buzz about this that I wanted to talk about it because I think it's probably going to be coming up more and more. If if people like AOC mm-hmm. are criticizing Biden, who's making a presidential run, right. about this issue, you know, maybe it really will be his Achilles heel. Or yeah. maybe, you know, something's got to come of this. At least there will be more talk of it in the coming days. Right. So... I wanted to be ahead of the curve. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Maybe we can get out there and, you know. Right. Um, I definitely don't remember a direct and specific question about immigration at the last debate. I think some of the candidates mentioned it in relation to some uh, you know, what they're Well, you know, it was big in the last go around, and it's, a big, yeah. it's Trump's wall, they say, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, it'll probably come up. Oh, yeah, I believe it. it's definitely going to be a big issue, I think. Especially, I mean, when the blue cities are crying out for funding. Right, yeah. Yep. The liberals are wanting to talk about it. Right. And the well, Republicans are just saying common sense things like usual. Right. Just and <laughs> I didn't have this prepared, this specific thing I'm about to mention, uh, but I'll do my best to get a link for it and put it in the show notes. So if I'm misspeaking about anything somebody can look at the facts for themselves well and we'll be sure to address it in the next episode but um just recently here in ohio um there was a uh a vehicle crash involving a driver and a school bus in uh, clark county and uh, one of the students one of the children from the school bus died and several were injured and the driver of the car was an illegal immigrant from uh, Haiti here recently. And, of course, he didn't have a driver's license and all that stuff. He's driving around illegally because he's here illegally. So this has impacted fairly close to home, like, you know, pretty out in the open. Well, there have been these stories before. You oh, know, yeah. There's, what's that law that Bill O'Reilly used to champion? Oh, it's some girl's Haley's name. law or something, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember, but... Uh-huh. But yeah, I think there's some... This has been an ongoing issue uh-huh. because he used to bill for that bill, mm-hmm. that law, while he was still back on air. Right, so, yeah, on, on Fox. Uh-huh. This has been a, a, a while, an ongoing issue for a while. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think it will be a pretty big one uh, when people are going to the polls next year. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah. But um, I guess uh, that... Will take me. It's not related, but I guess uh, is that all you got? Seems that like is, it. That yep. Is. Okay. Uh, we'll go to my next topic, uh, which is um, talking about uh, old politicians and age limits. Uh, unfortunately, Mitch McConnell uh, had another health scare recently. He froze up while he was speaking. Uh, this is twice in almost as many months, if not slightly fewer than two months. Um, and a lot of people are talking about, you know, should there be age limits for these politicians and stuff because of this? And he's not the only one. There's, there are other... That's another discussion that's been had before, too. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but I saw a 
pretty interesting uh, opinion piece from a guy named David. Uh, his last name is slightly funny. Let me see. If, Harsani is H-A-R-S-A-N-Y-I and he pointed out uh, along with a whole bunch of other things but his main point at the end of his opinion piece was we already have a solution for old senile politicians vote them out which which is is correct I mean because not and this is some of the other stuff that he pointed out in his piece. Like not all people age the same. You know, he uh, another thing he points out there are some obvious uh, things that you can use to you know, determine if a politician is past their time to serve. Uh, he didn't phrase it that way. Uh, but it's um, Diane Feinstein. She reportedly, I think you might have even mentioned this. Last episode, I don't know. I feel like you mentioned to it to me at some point that she signed over power of attorney to her daughter. Well, that seems like a pretty clear reason why she should be pushed out of her seat and replaced. Because if you have to sign over a power of attorney to your 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 uh, your child, uh, you know, regarding your your health and your finances and who who knows what else. How are you expected to, to rule and I know, work properly in the Senate? I feel like we've covered that before right. Feinstein. And I've even seen good people get tripped up because of all that procedure and stuff, you know, and how you have to rely on the rules and everything and how it can get confusing. But yeah, when you're talking about obvious examples like what you're talking about about Feinstein, it's like... Yeah. I mean, I don't know about age, but competency's out the window, uh-huh. would you say? I mean, she's out to lunch. Right, yeah. Yeah, so, um, like, the guy who wrote this article, I, I don't particularly uh, think that we should need to set age limits. I mean, because the people are voting for these, the uh, politicians. If there's anybody to blame, it's the people who keep voting for them. And in some cases, they're, they're handlers for keep putting them out there instead of advising them that maybe they should hang up the old hat. Well, see, I think we've talked about this before, yeah. too, because the same philosophical argument comes up for term limits. And it's like, well, why wouldn't the founders have built that in? Right. And it's almost like the people have a right, if they want, yeah. to elect this guy until right. he dies in office. Right. So why deprive the public of the right of to their keep will. electing the same person right. over and over? Yep. It's, I mean, it's a very interesting question. Yeah, I, it is. And uh, lastly, to point out what something else this guy pointed out is it would... To even put the, an age limit in and take a constitutional amendment. And good luck doing that. <laughs> well, right. Didn't you just say something about that earlier about how uh, Nikki Haley even pointed that out? That oh, well, yeah, that'd be. Yeah, that do this kind of stuff anyway. Right. So. That'd be for, yeah, passing uh, a federal uh, abortion law of some kind. Right. But the yeah. idea of amending the Constitution would be even yeah, more worse. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh-huh. Right. Like there ain't a prayer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, hopefully uh, Mitch McConnell is doing okay. Uh, and I, I really hope he goes home soon. <laughs> he should be home with his family. He's old. That's what he should be should be doing. I think though. But uh, just a thought know. that just occurred to me. One of the arguments for like a term limits or like a age limit type Mm -hmm. of thing would be to disallow the sort of special election that's going to occur, you know, should he bow out or fail. Right. You see, you would only be ideally, I mean, you would never eradicate the special election because that's still going to happen. You're going to have young men who die in office randomly. Right. But, you know, sometimes I've seen it in my own personal life. I won't give examples. But sometimes a vacancy occurs and it's filled and it's questionable. 
mm-hmm. because of the way it was filled. Right. And you could prevent that. I mean, if you had an 89-year-old person running for the office, you could just foresee that and say, well, no, sorry, the law says you can't be older than 69 or whatever. <laughs> right. You could try to prevent that kind of thing where somebody's only in office for like six months before they kick the bucket or whatever. But I still don't know that mm-hmm. you'd eradicate the problem. Right. Yep. Uh, these are definitely you know, sort of tricky scenarios. When there's really no cure-all right, exactly. to the problems that arise from politics. Right. As, and as it is currently, uh, the best solution is, at least as far as those that can be, you vote them out. Yeah. That's what, uh, That's how it's designed. Or they get voted out by force, force of nature. Right, you see what I'm yeah, saying? force they're, of nature. Yep. They're not around to <laughs> run anymore. Yep, their they're, they're calling card home has been pulled. Mm. Well, let's tread lightly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. Mm. But anyway, hopefully, uh, you know, like I said, hopefully Mitch McConnell's doing all right, and hopefully, you know, we'll see more voters start to hold some of these more elderly ones accountable. If they start going down the hill, you know, the voters should recognize it's time for them to go. When I'm as biased as the day is long. Sure. But if anybody as old as Biden ever runs for president again, it's going to be a hard no for me because, I mean, you know, I have my own thoughts and opinions. I won't get up on a soapbox, but... This has been a failure of a president. Yeah. For sure. But you want to know what's not been a failure? What? This episode. (laughs) (laughs) And listeners, if you enjoyed this great conservative conversation, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many more popular platforms. You can also subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can find links to these down below in the show notes or the description. And if you'd like to support us directly, you can make a donation to our podcast host, Red Circle. Again, there will be a link in the description and show notes below. We hope you'll share us with a friend or two, like us wherever you are interacting with us. And as always, we thank you for listening.